This is The Analysis, a weekly examination of the culture in light of truth. I'm Deanna Huff. And I'm Mark DeMoss. Join us as we investigate and analyze the environment of the world where we live. We will be shedding the light of God's Word on the issues. And responding as Christians to influence followers of Jesus Christ to share the gospel with those around them. Deanna, today on The Analysis, we wanted to address the idea of anxiety. Uh, and we, we can talk about sources of anxiety and, 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 and thoughts or definitions about what we're talking about when we're, we're discussing anxiety. And, and it can come in momentary uh, stressors to major life complications that can develop into deep fears and worries and panic and all kinds of things. So we'll kind of walk through some of those things. But we, we need people listening today to understand that we're not licensed counselors. We're not coming at this as licensed counselors. We do want to provide a biblical approach and view to anxiety. The Bible addresses anxiety. We want to address it as theologians and scholars. We're not addressing this as licensed counselors. That is so true. And anxiety is dealt with so often throughout Scripture. And a lot of times we tend to go directly to things like cast all your cares upon Jesus or something like that, because we know that Jesus himself directly spoke about anxiety. And one of the things that is a comfort in that is that he knows and knew the fact that we are a people that are going to deal with this anxiousness, Mm -hmm. this idea of trying to sort of predict the future, if you will. I think sometimes we think about what is going to happen or what could happen, and we start feeling all these emotions that prevent us from fully placing our trust in God. And I'm just glad that we have biblical insight to be able to encounter these things. Yeah. When I think about anxiousness, you know, the Bible addresses anxiety and worry from the standpoint of sin, there is the reality that um, we can be anxious for good things, like longing for uh, good results, longing for uh, there to not be bad things happen to you or somebody else, that there's a, there's a, a longing and a lingering for that, um, even uh, to the point of you know, Jesus being willing to go to the cross for the joy set before him. And yet in the moment of going to the cross, we know he was praying in the garden and sweating drops of blood and right dealing with these human emotions of, I want the good result and I'm anxious about the process of getting there. And the difference is he was sinless, so he could he could feel anxiety and not sin. And so I, I'm processing that out loud a little bit to say the feeling of anxiety is not sin. It's when we're not responding by turning that over into trusting God or letting it become a controlling factor in our lives. Then we're now responding in a sinful way toward a circumstance that brings the feelings of anxiety or a uh, an anxiousness or uh, worry tends to carry a more negative connotation, but even a worry about news I'm hearing. The fact that you have that response is not sin. Now, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to behave in a way that would be Christ-like? 
Christ-centered, God-focused, you're going to behave in a way that's sinful. And I, I wanted to differentiate that kind of at the beginning as well. And a lot of times we have defaults that are our coping behaviors. And so when we encounter something and we become anxious with it, depending on whatever our default is in our brain, mm-hmm. it's going to kick in gear and whatever we're thinking is going to move into how we're going to respond to these situations, yeah. right? So we might have emotions that come out of that that look like, you know, crying or maybe an emotion of immobilization. Mm-hmm. You're you're not able to do something that you may actually want to do, but maybe you have a fear of doing it, right? Yeah. A lot of people have fear of heights or, or yeah. fears of different things, and yeah. their anxiety will prevent them from being able to to do certain activities. Yeah. And I think about even people who want to maybe give an address or do some public speaking, and you'll see, you know, emotions right before they get up, their face turns red, and mm-hmm. and they may be in the bathroom, you know, mm-hmm. holding their stomach <laughs> because they're thinking, I can't do this, right? right? Right, So we want to be able to talk about anxiety in such a way that if it is in your life and and preventing you from moving forward and and placing trust in God in these ways that your default won't be necessarily preventing you from doing the activity, but instead that we're overcoming and trusting God and being able to walk through those activities. As you talked about that, I, I know that just personal experience, I don't enjoy heights. (laughs) <laughs> That's a nice way to say I'm afraid of heights. Um, and there was a time I needed to do something on the roof of my house. And I knew it needed to be taken care of. I wanted to take care of it. I went and got my ladder. I leaned it against the roof line, climbed right to the top. Of, I mean, just was going, not even really processing. And when I went to move my foot from the ladder to the roof, I froze. And, and it just hit. And I was immobilized there for a moment of, I can't go forward. My body won't let me do that. But I also couldn't even move backwards at that point and start down the ladder. And I, it just, it wasn't long, but there were these, they felt like really long seconds until I was, I was back down on the ground. And then the thought of trying again was too much. And I just went, I'm not going to be able to solve this problem and put the ladder away, you know, it's like, and so, um, we want to help people like that's a, you can call, you can call somebody to work on your roof. There's some things that we deal with. Who do I go to when this puts me in that state of anxiety? I'm immobilized emotionally to my family or to my friends, to my spouse. What, what if I'm, I'm immobilized uh, spiritually, like I, I begin to disengage from God and His community and and His Word because of this thing that's overtaking me, that's causing anxiety, and now I'm immobilized in those ways. How do I begin to process through that and overcome? And you used the verse earlier, cast your anxiety on Him. How how do I grab hold of it and cast it back on Him so that I can move forward trusting Him again? That's what we really want to try to help people with. And I just want to visit that point just for a second because you said that's what we want to do. And I think sometimes 
when we're interacting with the idea of things that we want to change in our life, that either we're overwhelmed and just don't even know where to start, Mm -hmm. or we don't have anything that is practical enough to be able to take the first steps. And I I really think that God's Word does speak to this, Mm -hmm. but I also think that it's good to have someone come alongside and walk Mm -hmm. with you and help give you accountability in that. And so if you are dealing with this and you are trying to overcome in something, it is good to reach out to someone Mm -hmm. in the church and be able to walk through these things. Even if you hear today some things that you think, I want to put those things into practice, then ask someone to kind of walk with you in this because the process of it sometimes can happen a little bit slower than what we would like, Mm -hmm. but it does happen over time to where you can find this overcoming, the success and overcoming because of who Christ is. Yeah. One of the causes that I think about with anxiety really is identifying someone who might be succumbing to believing the worst possible outcome. So for example, they if they've studied all week for a test and they think I'm never going to pass this test. But they have it in their head. And then they get in the classroom, they begin to take the test, and they just freeze. It's as if they didn't study anything. They walk out and they can tell you everything. But it's like they just freeze. But part of this idea of cognitive assumption, they're they're assuming that this this is going to happen. They're, They're predicting this horrific outcome. And however they're feeling... Mm-hmm. That's the way they're thinking. Right. And so they just stop and they just start this belief system of, well, I can't do it because of fill in the blank, whatever they've been telling themselves. Right. And yeah. that's what I mean by default is that if they do that over a long period of time, then eventually that becomes the way that they cope with things and they just get stuck. Yeah. Yeah. Uh we use the terminology of self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't believe I can do it. And then sure enough, I failed. And so, uh, and, and it's, it's not that kind of, that, to me, that's a, a karma style idea of looking yeah. at life. That's not what it is. It's what you're explaining that you, you, your body has responded, your emotions, your mind and your body's responded to this anxiety in such a way that you're, you're frozen in and locked in on that to the point that now you're not performing the way you could have if somehow you could relax and it makes sound like simple tools right but if you if you could be in a state of where you are relaxed and trusting the lord and actually produce what you had studied on that test you do have the information you would pass the test right uh we do that with bad news on health we we hear that uh, we we may have an illness or, or we're around somebody that's got a certain illness and we were with them and and we begin to then project now I'm going to get it and I'm going to miss this many days of work and this, or oh my goodness my doctor saw this thing and I'm going to have cancer and right and we can just leap to and and I'm not casting stones at that we all can right, take those right. and leap to these conclusions where we run to these 
what if the worst possible outcome? And that's what you're talking about in this cognitive assumption. We run to the, it's the, the worst possible outcome is going to be what's going to happen to me. And, and we get locked into that and we don't do well on the test or we, we instead of praying, we're worrying. And instead of going to find help, education, information, an, another doctor, we, we freeze. I, I mean, we've known people that I'm not going to go see the doctor because they're just going to tell me bad news. Mm-hmm. Well, they're also going to give you a solution, right? Yes. Right? I, I mean, yes. It may not be a solution that's fun or enjoyable in the short run, but they're there to try to provide answers to the problem, not just mm-hmm. give you the bad news. But we're so locked in, we don't take the next step of what do I need to do? We're stuck in the worry and we're not behaving in any way. We don't mm-hmm. take any action. And a lot of times you can see this when people want to address someone who's either older than them or maybe they need something from a person that they think is not going to respond the way that they they want them to respond. And they'll say something like, well, I'd go talk to them, except they're going to respond this way, this way, and this way. And so they've already decided what's going to happen. And so therefore it's preventing them from doing what they need to do to rid themselves of the anxiety they're feeling from whatever is taking place. Maybe they need some help on a test and the professor is is a thought to be someone who won't give help, but they don't know that because they don't go ask, mm-hmm. right? right. Yeah. They're just assuming all these things. And it's interesting because in changing the way that we think, you know, mm-hmm. it helps with our behavior. Yeah. And then that also helps with our feelings. And we were talking about the cognitive triangle earlier. Right. And I wanted you to repeat what you were sharing as far as the idea that that was behind it yeah well um the cognitive triangle which you you pointed out is uh the connection of our our thinking our feelings and our behaviors Uh, those are the three points on that and it's it's a tool that's used in both christian and biblical counseling as well as in what we would call secular counseling it's just a tool to help people process right um but we we have we have a Christian saying where we talk about the fact that what you truly believe you act on, and so when you have your sets of beliefs in place, it'll affect your behavior, and and that's true. That's a true statement, uh, but it's also a reality that sometimes our behavior bring brings our faith along. I have to start doing what's right in order for my faith to be in place. I, I, the best illustration I have for that is Bible reading. Um, I want you to believe that reading your Bible daily will increase your faith, change your relationship with God, and prove fruitful for the long haul. Mm -hmm. But every day you wake up and read your Bible doesn't feel like that. Right. You you don't have this joy and delight and experience with God where you're like, oh my goodness, God's so amazing. That doesn't happen every day. And so when that doesn't happen, oftentimes the response is, "I, I stopped reading my Bible. And, and you want to go back and reinitiate. I've got to get myself convinced again that God's good. He loves me. He's going to speak to me. And it's going to be amazing tomorrow. And you're working on the belief side. And I want to say to those people, you go ahead and work on the duty side. You still get up and read your Bible. 
<laughs> right? Yeah. And, and you read it until it's delight. Right? You you keep going, and and the delight will follow. You keep the behavior going, and the the faith or the feeling, the emotion of that mm-hmm. exhilaration with God, or the 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 thinking, the faith component, right? The mental cognitive component of our faith will align with the fact I'm reading my Bible every day and therefore I'm growing. I'm learning things about God. I'm learning things about myself and and my faith is growing. And so to me, that triangle helps connect all those things together and, and gets us out of the linear. I got to do A to get to B, to get to C, to get to D. Mm-hmm. It helps me go, well, my behavior is affecting my thinking and my feelings and my feelings are affecting my thinking and my behavior. And so I'm working to align all of those to Scripture so that they're, they're helping one another. And that's what I see it as. If, if, I, if I get my feelings, trust of God. I'm going to trust Him. Right now I'm fearful of this, but I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to push my feelings to trust Him. It helps me think better about that. right? If I can cause myself to speak truth, mm-hmm. but God is love, God is good, God that affects my behavior and my emotions because I, right? So um, I think sometimes we, we put one before the other than letting them work together. Simultaneously, right? Right. What's so great about that is when you think about just practical ways, then, you know, in your mind, you're renewing your mind through God's word. So you're training your thoughts. And whatever you have before you say you're afraid you're gonna fail the test then you can begin to say or ask questions to yourself and say um, well how do I know I'm gonna fail the test mm-hmm. you know what's gonna ensure that I fail the test not studying well if I study could I pass the test well I could pass the test mm-hmm. so then you put behavior in place and you start saying well I'm going to study for the test I don't know what the outcome of the test will be, but what I am going to do is rely on God, study, and be prepared, and in all things pray. And then I'm going to leave the results to Him. And then my emotions can begin to balance out because I'm trusting in God, and He in turn is going to give me peace yeah. Because that's what he does. That's yeah. what his word says. I will give you peace that passes all understanding, yeah. right? When we yeah. place our trust in him. Yeah. And so then our emotions begin to change. There's a second there's a second thought that I want to mention. We were talking about cognitive assumptions. There's also sometimes hidden emotions. These might be people mm-hmm. that are prone to fear conflict Mm -hmm. they are known as people pleasers they just don't want to encounter anything that's negative and so they're in fear of how people see them right and i think that that's something that we ought to think about because god desires for us to have one audience and that's him Mm -hmm. but that's not always easy right no because we feel all this peer pressure yeah yeah i'm thinking about anxiety and it's reminding me about the story in exodus 14 the people of israel have been released right they've seen god work in this amazing way where he's crushed all the false gods of egypt through the plagues 
brought them a spokesman through Moses and Aaron to speak for them to Pharaoh, and they've been freed. And they're going, and as they're heading out, the army begins to chase them. Yeah. And they look back, and they panic. And the panic causes them to turn against Moses, really against God. Did you bring us out here because there's no graves in Egypt, they ask? <laughs> right? Yes. Like, we're going to die here. We could have just died. Right? They want to go back to the very thing that was the real problem. Um, and and that's what I think about in, in this, you know, in this idea. This uh, We can be so overcome and so overwhelmed that we turn against the very sources God has given to help us. He, he was present through the, through the presence of Moses and Aaron, and they turn on Moses and they turn on Aaron, and ultimately they're turning on God when he had, he had already shown them such amazing things, and now they can't believe. They're, they're stuck and they're trapped, and, and they'd rather go back and try to please Pharaoh, right? Yes. I'll go try to fix, fix the problem myself by doing this, rather than fearing the God that can crush every idol and can rescue us from this big problem. Mm-hmm. And it's just such a visual example of going, oh yeah, that's what I do when I'm fearing. Sometimes God moves us into places that are uncomfortable so that he can grow us and so he can develop us. Uh, Moses obviously didn't want to speak to the people. He said, listen, I, I don't have a good speaking and you know, that's a reason you probably shouldn't send me. And God said, oh, well, that's okay. You know, I'll send you Aaron. And so God will provide those tools for you to be able to overcome in those situations. One of the things we have to just think about is, is how do we renew our mind to help us to overcome in this situation? Mm -hmm. If we're putting off anxiety, what are we putting on? We're putting on trust in God. Um, Makes me think about what uh, Philippians 4 says, um, 4, 6, and 7 uh, is a verse that is those anxiety verses, and you know, we referenced it. There's a lot in the scriptures, but be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Um, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So you're talking about what you put off and what you put on. Be anxious for nothing. So put off anxiousness. Don't let anxiety come up for any reason. How do I even do that? Because I do have anxiety. I mean, right? So what do I do? Uh, He begins to give an antidote for that, right? Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and with supplication and with thanksgiving. So take those needs to God in prayer. Be thankful for what he's already done. Because remember, there's a past that he's been working, just like in Exodus. Don't forget what he just did, right? So there's something that he's done. Even if you have to go all the way back to the cross, he did die for you through the Mm -hmm. Son, Jesus Christ. He's done something big. So you may have to back up a long ways to go, okay, what's God done for me? All right, But be thankful for what he's done. And then let your request be made known to God. Tell Him what your anxious heart is. Tell Him what your fear is. Tell Him what your desired outcome is for your health or your test or your job or your marriage or whatever it is that has you locked up. We don't often go on into verses 8 and 9 of Philippians Mm -hmm. 4. Mm -hmm. But then He says, put your mind here. 
whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's of good repute. If there's anything excellent, anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. And so uh, here's how you take it off, put that off, pray, seek the Lord, and then begin to put your mind somewhere. And that really changes your thinking, that your, your mind is being renewed by God, the Holy Spirit, and now what's happening, your thoughts, behavior, and your emotions are all aligning toward God's design. Yeah, so good. Um, the, the process of that, sometimes it's helpful if you journal, if you write out, here's my fears, here's truth, uh, here's where I'm gonna put my thinking today, and, and taking the practice of, of just uh, self-talk in the right way, journal good self-talk. Uh, some, type, some people take journaling and they're just gonna write down all the horrible things that's happened, right? Yeah. We're not talking about journaling where you just get all your thoughts out on paper. No, what, what, are, what are my fears? What's true? And, and then what am I going to replace these bad thoughts with? Uh, you need to take those practices. There's some other tools that you can use. While you're journaling and you're writing down different things, you might want to think about the times you find yourself anxious. What are you feeling when you're anxious? Do you feel sad? Do you feel fearful? Do you feel disappointed? Are you scared? Do you feel rejected? Do you feel abandoned? There, there might be different places you find yourself and you're overcome with some anxiety. Say you're in the middle of talking to a group of people and they all have to go back to work or they all have to do something that's different from what you're doing and maybe all of a sudden you're feeling abandoned in your thought process. Just begin to journal that and say, I was feeling this way and then ask yourself, is that true? No, Susie had to go to work. No, Katie had to go play a ball game and then work that out and identify the fact that you're never abandoned by God, first and foremost. But also, sometimes what we tell ourselves puts us in a situation of fearfulness or bringing up these anxious thoughts when in reality that's not what's taking place. But journaling can help us to see and identify the truth of the matter. And especially what is important is in light of truth, mm -hmm. in light of God's word. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that can be helpful. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think that's a helpful thought process and technique and, and can help people actually identify the specific emotions or thoughts or feelings they're having rather than having this general I just don't feel good, or I don't feel like myself, or I'm scared, or I'm worried. Okay, what's going on? Um, that can help you as you process with yourself, and you've said it a couple of different times. Have you grabbed anybody's hand and asked them to walk with you in that moment or in the process of this? And you can't have them help you if you can't tell them what you're feeling. So it can help you say, I'm scared because, I'm feeling anxious because, or this is what I, I, I'm sad, I'm lonely, I'm, rather than just, 
you know, God doesn't love me, you know, whatever. You, know, you yes, just throw out this blanket yes. statement. Uh, if you can communicate what you're thinking, and so that process can be helpful. Well, Deanne, as we wrap up today, I, I know that we want uh, people to know and understand that we're going to walk in moments of trial and tribulation. The Bible's clear about that. Um, but we also want everyone to understand that in all those moments, uh, just three closing pieces of advice. You're not alone. Other people have walked in your situation and God is with you. And he's been tempted in all ways as we have yet without sin. So you're not alone. Uh, that the thing you're experiencing in this moment will pass. Uh, it, time will continue to progress. We'll walk through other anxious moments, but what you're experiencing today will come to pass. And ultimately, the, the ultimate passing will also happen, that uh, God will return and make everything right. So what we're experiencing will pass, and that God is good. Uh, our circumstances may point to uh, hardship and heartache and, and, to the, and to even the feelings of, does God care? But remind yourself, God is good. So thanks for listening to the analysis. We hope this has helped you.